Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 270 of the podcast. My name is Kerry Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, I am enjoying the sunshine of summer. I hope you are too, wherever you are. Unless, of course, you're in Australia, New Zealand, or somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere where it's now winter. I've experienced that as well. So anyway, absolutely loving this season, and I want to thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your ratings and reviews. We are closing in on a thousand ratings and reviews on the American iTunes store and hundreds or even more around the world. Uh, Thank you so much for that. And uh, just love hearing from you guys when we're on the road and also in the inbox and on social. So if this episode or any episode really strikes you as helpful, I would love to hear from you. Tag me. I'm Kerry Newhoff on Instagram. Also, C. Newhoff on Twitter, Carrie Newhoff on Facebook, and would love for you to share this with your friends, as I know many of you do. And just wanted to say thank you for that. I've got a really exciting announcement coming today, and uh, I think this is going to be a fascinating episode because Jenny Katrin, who is on the podcast for the third time, talks about becoming a public speaker. And for a lot of us, I talked to a lot of leaders, and we haven't really covered this subject, but what do you do if you never thought your life would be like as a public speaker. Jenny shares that when she was a little kid, she wanted to become a CEO of a record company, which is a story in its own right. That is not the dream of most children, but that's what she wanted. Got into the record industry and soon found herself as a 20-something, like 22 years old, pitching to senior executives. And it's like, I got to become a good communicator. Then became the executive pastor of two well-known megachurches, Crosspoint and Menlo Church in California, where John Ortberg is, and again, found herself communicating and is now a public speaker. And we talk about that journey. And so I think you're going to find this fascinating. She shares all kinds of tips, very honestly, about her own journey. So, and, and you know, if you're a young leader, honestly, one of the greatest predictors of success for you is your communication skills. If you do not have great communication skills, verbal and written, uh, you're just going to struggle a little bit more. So I think you're going to find this tremendously helpful. We have a lot of fun and Jenny and I uh, have something fun to share too, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. Now, you may have noticed that attention spans are dwindling. I think they're actually going in two directions. In some respect, long-form content like this is actually accelerating. We had an all-time record month last month on the podcast. People seem to like deep, nuanced thought. But if you're like me, you're on the social scroll and you're like, I've about had enough on your social feed. If you've ever felt that, you know that you've got to have, if you're going to be on the socials, engaging high-quality design content And there's a premium on that, especially when it comes to church content. So ProMedia Fire is a company that can help you stand out in social media feeds, such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, with promotional content that highlights your event, promotion, services, and anything else you want to feature. One of their plans is called the Design Fire Monthly Plan. And this gives you a team of professional graphic designers on demand. Like if you're a startup or a smaller church, or even if you've got a large department, but you need some extra help, wouldn't it be great to have a team of professional graphic designers on demand? Every month you can request, get this, as many graphics as needed for your ministry, upcoming events, messages. Your design requests are normally delivered to you within four to five business days, depending on the complexity of your request. And their team of graphic designers and video editors can create custom videos and graphics for you each month for a flat rate. Yep, unlimited flat rate. If for some reason you need fire for your content, check out Pro Media Fire. The listeners of this podcast receive 10% off plans for life. If you go to promediafire.com forward slash carry, that's promediafire.com forward slash carry. And I hope you will do that today. And now the exciting announcement that I've been waiting to bring to you for a long time. I'm so excited about it. I am introducing to you today something brand new on my platform, and that is the Newhoff Speaking Team. It is a handful 
I've curated leadership experts and some fresh voices that can help bring whatever you need to your next event. I think they're going to make it spectacular. So I have a number of friends and colleagues in ministry, many of whose names you will recognize, who do an unbelievable job of just delivering content in their own right. And we got talking a few months ago and said, hey, what if we put like a speaker's collective together? What if we put a speaking team together so that we could serve churches better? I've had the privilege for, well, 15 years now to be speaking at events around the world. And it's so exciting to now be able to share a number of other voices. So here are the members of the speaking team that I'm so excited to share. One, surprise, surprise, is Jenny Katrin. She is the founder and CEO of the Foresight Group. She's a leadership expert, certified in StratOps, a public speaker who speaks across the United States. Jeff Henderson is part of the team. A lot of you know Jeff. He is the lead pastor, founding pastor of Gwinnett Church and has a new book coming out. And he is the guy behind like For the Community. If you've ever seen that, For Gwinnett, For the Community, uh, has some brilliant things to say about communication and a fantastic speaker in his own right. Unseminary's Rich Birch is part of the team. Rich uh, talks to church leaders really all across the world about leadership and about the tactical operations of just how to grow and scale things. Uh, Rich is a really good friend as well. Brad Lominick, who's the president these days of Blink, and also the former president of Catalyst is part of that team. And Brad is just a leadership guru who probably has the best connection of anybody I know in church world. And then a couple of new voices for you. One of them I'm very, very fond of. My wife, Tony Newhoff, actually is working on a new book about relationships and she'll be part of the speaker's team. And then also Dylan Smith. Dylan is a young leader. He's been on my team for just over a year now. And Dylan is a Bible school graduate who will be speaking to student ministry and young leaders on next-gen leadership and many other things. So those are the founding members of the speaking team. And you can find out more by going to newhoffspeakingteam.com. Just go to newhoffspeakingteam.com or you can go to kerryneuhoff.com forward slash speaking. You'll also see it there. And I am so excited for this. And uh, between myself and the members of the team, we want to serve you really well at your future events. So make sure you check that out. And we're going to dive into all things public speaking and the unlikely journey a lot of us are on. And remember, if you're a leader, you need to be a better communicator. Jenny walks you through that. We talk more about the speaking team, uh, which by the time we recorded this, we hadn't named yet. So that's kind of a fun part of this interview. But without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with author, leader, and, uh, well, fantastic communicator, Jenny Katrin. Jenny, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be back. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's, it has been a little bit, uh, but here we are. We're in Washington, D.C. Yes. Recording this in person. You and I are both speaking at the same event. Yep. Two weeks in a row. Two. Yes. Yeah, we've like followed each other around the country this week, <laughs> yeah. or these two weeks. Dallas last week, yep. and then here this week. Uh, but I'm really glad because we're kind of rolling out something brand new yes. on my platform, which is we have, we haven't even decided on the final names. So by yeah, the time so you let, listen to yeah. this, we're what let, is it? Speakers Bureau, right? Collective. Something, um, something with the, some speakers and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be good. And so you're part of that. I'm so, yeah, which I'm thrilled about. This is going to be fun. Well, you do a lot of speaking. Right? I do, and I, like, and I've continued to settle into it. Like, it was one of those things I started doing just kind of on the side, mm-hmm. and you know, as as opportunities came, and I've discovered I really love it. I love speaking to a group of people and helping inspire them, helping them see uh, what they need to grow to thrive in their leadership. And so, yeah, love yeah, it. that's great. Well, you're an author too. You've written a couple of books, yeah. and are you working on a new one? I'm working on a new one. Are you? Can you say what it's about? It's going a little slow. Uh, oh yeah. Welcome but, to writing. Right, exactly. It, you know, tentatively, the title is Think Up, How to Lead, How to Think Different to Lead Better. Oh, neat. And it's really about the mindset of the leader. Like, what are those things, you know how we get to those critical turning points where what I'm doing is no longer working? Yeah. And yeah. I've got to do something to it's think differently. Every day. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. exactly. Especially mm-hmm. in this era, you know, everything's yeah. shifting and changing so much. And I think it's requiring more of leaders. So that's the that's the premise. So we're working it through right now. So you're part of the Speaker Collective or Bureau or whatever we will name right. this by the time this goes live. So is our friend Jeff Henderson, yes, um, who's got a big book coming out this fall. Yeah. He's If you've ever seen, and Jeff's been a frequent flyer on this podcast too, mm-hmm. but 
If you've ever seen, and you can go to almost any city and you'll see, you know, hashtag for yes. Charlotte, hashtag yep. for Gwinnett, hashtag for Topeka, whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's not in Topeka. I haven't been to Topeka. But, you know, Wisconsin. That's, we're yeah. for Wisconsin. We're yep. for wherever. Jeff That's really Jeff. started that. Yeah. He really did. He's got a brand new book coming out this fall called I'm Four. So- he speaks all over the U.S. Yeah, I'm so excited about that hit that book because Jeff's just such a brilliant mind anyway. Yeah, and his his thought and the way he's led through that campaign is just remarkable. So, it's well, exciting. and helps so many churches and businesses. So Jeff's going to be yeah. part of it. Uh, a guy named Brad Lominick. He used to yeah. run a conference called uh, a what conference. Little thing, Little Catalyst. Thing. Catalyst, I think Catalyst. it was called. Yeah. Now president and CEO of Blink. Uh, yeah. But Brad's a good friend and speaks to leaders and businesses yeah. around the world. So he'll be part of the collective. So will Rich Birch yes. from Unseminary. Almost, I think almost every executive pastor in the world knows about Rich. I think so too. I think yeah. so. Yep. Super guy. Also now lives 10 minutes from my house, uh, which is yeah. awesome. And speaking of speakers who live nearby... Uh, my wife, Tony, is part so of great. the Speakers Bureau. She is. She shut down her law practice last year, so she has a background in law and pharmacy. And but it was always teaching in those professional circuits. She'd yeah. always do a conference, you yep. know, for lawyers or pharmacists. Uh, but she's working on her first book and you. really wants to do some more speaking. And we've done some events together in Chicago, in um, England. Uh, where else have we spoken together? So she's That's part cool. of the collective, the bureau, and she's done Danielle Strickland's boot camp. Yes, yeah. Women Speakers Collective yep. boot camp. Maybe we'll get a cease and desist from Danielle <laughs> if Strickland if we call it the collective. Yeah, we're gonna have to keep working on her name. Maybe she bought that word. <laughs> I don't Love know, it. Danielle, if you're listening. Right. Um, you know, she's doing great work. Oh yeah, uh, she's doing with speakers. And then yeah. Dylan Smith, who's on my team, awesome. Um, is is incredible, and he's a very young leader. Yeah. 21, um, trained as a preacher, and he's been through the boot camp known as a member of the Carrie Newhoff staff for the last year. That's awesome. So he's going to talk about high-impact leadership, and he's got a powerful personal story, too. So, him. And then uh, I think I'll be part of the speaker's yeah, we'll page, you too. Yeah. You're going to let me in? Did you guys vote? Am I allowed in? <laughs> we love it. No, it's such okay. a great group, Carrie, and it's going to be so fun. I mean, when you first reached reached out about doing the the collective or the bureau or whatever, yeah. wherever we land with it, uh, just to be in the company of this crew who, whom all, I know all of them, Dylan, I haven't met in person. I guess right. Dylan's the only one I haven't met in person, but just such an amazing group of people. And uh, it's exciting to- Excited well, to get this started. And the backstory is I, I hid my speaking contact information for years because we've just had so many opportunities and not enough time for the calendar. Yeah. Um, but we're ready to change that. So sure. uh, on the speaking page, you'll see me. And then you'll also see the other members of the the speakers group, which I'm really excited about because I believe deeply in, in all of you. Mm-hmm. And I also know that we're going to be able to serve a whole lot of leaders. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, those events that I can't do, others may be able to do right. events that you can't do, I may be able to do. Yeah. And sometimes people are asking for, you know, just like, who could we get for this event or who could help us think about this issue? So yeah. what are the things you typically speak about? Like what what are the topics, the yeah, areas? The, you know, I'm a leadership junkie. So anything in the mm-hmm. leadership space, if I'm helping leaders know how to think and lead better, that is wheelhouse for me. But I also really enjoy team dynamics. And so uh, I'll often come into uh, either at conferences or to staff teams and come in and, and speak on both leadership topics, but then team dynamics. What does it take to be a healthy team culture? You know, how do you build a healthy team culture? And uh, those are kind of the wheelhouse topics for me. Yeah. And, you know, things built around my book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, is looking at leadership through the lens of the Great Commandment. And uh, such a such a foundational way to look at leadership of how do we lead with heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's kind of core topic. But anything in influence leadership or team culture is is core core space for me. Strategies in there too. I'm a strategist at heart. Well, so you're certified in Stratops, right? I am. I am. I got certified in Stratop probably a little over three years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it's a remarkable tool just to help you think through. Uh, your strategy and your plan. I always put the bent of culture on it because 
you know, the, there's that old famous quote that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and so I kind of look through when I facilitate Stratup, I kind of have an eye on culture and the team because that's kind of my personal passion. So is it like strategic planning for churches? We've been through it, it with is. Tony Morgan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is. It's strategic planning for really churches or organizations. I'm certified in both. Okay. So churches or businesses. And there's a, you know, there's a little nuance to each of them. But yeah, it's it's going, where do we want to go? What's important? What's critical to helping us accomplish the mission in front of us? And that's a big passion for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, we all have these this idea of what we feel like God's put on our heart to accomplish. And, you know, so we have this sense of this is this is it. This is why we started this. This is why we planted this church. This is why we're here serving. But we get stuck in the how. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm a how-to girl. I mean, I can't- Yeah, I, you are. You're really practical. I was going to say, yeah. for your speaking, you're not like- you know, the visionary 50,000 foot high speaker that gets right. everyone crying at the end of a talk. Yeah. You're like, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've had to learn. I've had to learn like, okay, tell a few stories, connect a little more, Jenny, <laughs> and then you can give like the steps of what needs to happen next. And, you know, if I can help a leader kind of unlock those steps, it gives them so much hope, right? It gives you so much like that sense of like, okay, this is possible again. So we start with great vision, but we, yeah. you know, we get we get stuck in the the minutia of, you know, but if whether it's staffing and culture and the people dynamics and, you know, our plans don't go the way we expected them to go. And, you know, by going in and helping facilitate a strategic plan, you just kind of help bring it to life again, which is No, fun. that's great. So yeah, there's a variety of subjects and uh, you can go to kerryneuhoff.com yeah. slash speaking. I think that's the link. Is that the link? Otherwise yeah. we'll overdub it. You <laughs> Perfect. Know, overdub it with the correct one and everything will be in the in the show notes. <laughs> but awesome. kerryneuhoff.com slash speaking and you'll find everything there. So I'm really awesome. excited because I think we're going to be able to serve more leaders. And um, I love having a whole team of people on board uh, because, you know, you may be busy, but somebody else is, or I may have a date filled, but somebody else is available, or I may not be the right speaker for a particular event. And there's different price points on the list too, which is, which is great. Yeah. It's a great group. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I want to talk to you. You you are very technical and you've had an interesting life, I think thus Mm. far, because you started as a record executive in Nashville. Yeah. And I remember we talked about that the first time you were on the podcast and then served for a number of years as the executive pastor at a couple of large influential churches. Uh, Again, roles that typically would be perfected by men, Right. right? Right. Yeah. 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 Did you have a whole lot of like female XPs when you went to the executive pastor gatherings? I did not. No, no, no. You were there all by yourself. I was no uh, lineup at the women's restroom. You did not. No, mm-hmm. that's the wonderful thing about being a woman in executive <laughs> leadership is that usually you're not fighting for the bathroom. You've got plenty right. of plenty of plenty of opportunity there. Uh, yeah, I have. You know, I've just had the privilege of being able to sit in a lot of remarkable places, and yeah. I think I just you know just grateful to have been in some of those seats. But yes, early on especially in the in on the church side being in an executive pastor role there weren't a lot of us there's a lot more of us now which is yeah, really which is fun great. That's which awesome. is really fun to see but yeah it's kind of you know uh, a little bit of a purple unicorn a lot of times yeah yeah and so talk about the issues like i want you to look back a little bit um and uh, okay no no let me let me let me take a different tack uh, let me ask you about public speaking because yeah. you have been sort of behind the scenes roles and there's a lot of people yeah. who maybe want to become public yeah. speakers. So, you know, think about somebody who started a business or uh, somebody who's in a leadership role at a church, but is not the primary communicator. Sure. You have probably learned the art of public speaking. Yeah. So can we talk about that for a little bit? How yeah. did you first figure, yeah. like when was, do you remember the first time you were asked to give a talk? Well, you know, actually it goes back to my music business days. So, really? I, and that's really where I credit with learning the art of public speaking because I was, my first job when I went to the record company in Nashville was, I was the assistant on this in the sales and marketing department. Okay. And the sales and marketing assistant department. Assistant to the sales and marketing department. Yes. Sorry, that's an office joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not assistant regional manager, yes. assistant to the regional oh, yes, manager. Yes, I have. Yes, yeah. yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so you're not uh, so, exactly at the most exact, the highest level in the record company oh, when no. you started. No, yeah. I was, I was 20 years old, and I was at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, but I was like so, like bright eyed, excited, like just privileged to be at the table. But very quickly, I got promoted to the manager of the department. So I skipped. Wow. I went from being the assistant. At to, how old? 
uh, I was 22 when they promoted me. My goodness. So yeah. all of a sudden you're a manager. All of a sudden I'm a manager and uh, was not quite ready for that responsibility. But what came with it w- was we were the liaison from the record company to the distribution company. Okay. And so we had to do all the sales presentations for all the sales reps who were helping get our product in stores across the country when there used to be Christian uh Bookstores. Retail distribution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah remember well, that, people? Do you remember yeah. that? There used to be record stores. There remember used to those? be record, yes, yes. So it was the era of the CD. Yes, you... it was the era of the CD. And uh, it was that was a wonderful business model. Mm. And eventually completely like, you know, yeah, that's a whole nother story for another day. But it's like that ad. How do we get m- people to buy more CDs? Right. You're, you're missing the point here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. And that was that was really what we were navigating. But in all of that. I had to do presentations of our of our records to the sales team. Oh, yeah. And so those were my first opportunities to speak. I did a little bit of speaking when I was in high school and would get kind of picked for stuff, but I was really nervous there, like not comfortable at all. And uh, But I was so eager to succeed at this job. I was like, I got to figure this out. Yeah, so you're pitching or, or explaining or what are a, you doing? A little bit of both. So okay. you would really like present the music and the beauty of this was I could at least play a little clip of a song right. and then I could explain it and I could tell. The thing I loved was that you were trying to convey the artist's heart. So the thing that was brilliant about this that I didn't know would be so valuable to me as a public speaker later is that when you're when you're sharing a new album with, you know, a sales team who are all like ready to snooze, like, you know, right. sales conferences. Yeah, are three o'clock in the afternoon snoozers. and they're all like, we have to be here. We don't want to be here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they've heard everything. So they're kind of calloused to it. And, you know, so I'm trying to figure out how do I get my music to stand out and get their attention? Because if I don't get my sales guys with me, there's no chance, you know, they're the ones who have to go and sell to the stores. And right. so my sales guys have to. So if you don't sell the sales guys, this artist is not getting on to, into retail space. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was my first foray into speaking. I had to figure out how do I communicate? And I loved trying to figure out what is this artist passionate about? How do I communicate that? How do I help this, this, these sales guys get a little bit of a vision for why this artist wants to do what they do? So it's bigger than this is a good song, guys. Yeah. Sell it. Yeah. Okay. And you know, so, so yeah, I, I did that for, I mean, the entire time I was there at the record company, which was nine years in total. So about seven of seven of that, I was doing sales presentations. And so I've credit that with really kind of being the place where I first started to learn what is it, what does it take to be in front of an audience and how do you connect with them? How do you get their attention? How do you stand out? And then how do you deliver the information to them that they need to help move it forward. Well, and that's interesting because I do think we think of communication as public speaking. I mean, mm-hmm. I just spoke this morning. I did a keynote yep. here in Washington, D.C. in front of seven, 800 people, seven, 800 leaders. Yep. You're going to do one tomorrow, I think. Friday morning. Keynote. Friday yeah. morning, yep. you're going to do a keynote, right? And we think that is public speaking. But the reality is anytime you stand at the head of a boardroom table or a totally. staff meeting, you're communicating. Yes. And you're gaining people or you're losing people. So what were some things that really helped you as a 22-year-old get the attention of presumably some older male sales guys? Well, I think that I was the young girl walking in the room. Like, right. you know, I was I, I just was the unusual one at the table, typically. Right. So, like, I, that probably was an advantage to me in a what's lot of ways. What's she doing here? Right? Yeah, right. what's she oh, doing? Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> so, you know, it worked that, you know, being the minority, so to speak, in the yeah. culture actually worked to my advantage because, you know, I had that that kind of set me apart. Now, I also stood out. So if I would, if I bombed the sales presentation, it really, you know, so I feel like that, you know, for me being a woman in a lot of male dominated situations, like it's both a blessing and a curse because it can get me some attention. But if I don't do well, like it, I also, they remember, they remember, right. right? It's like, oh yeah. That 22 year old girl, like she bombed. Yeah. She didn't know what she's doing. She she doesn't know what she's doing. It's not like, what was that guy's name again? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh no, they know about that. Yeah. They know exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I really studied, I, I served under two really remarkable leaders at the, uh, the record company that I worked for, the president and the vice president were both phenomenal leaders and mm. really were mentors to me. So I look back at that season. I'm like, I didn't know the gift I had. <laughs> I did not know that I was like under, and, you know, and they, they promoted me probably a little prematurely into a yeah. role that was pretty big. 
And, uh, but they believed in me. And that was probably, that alone was such a gift. I talk mm. about this a lot to leaders, like that gift of belief. Like if you right. will see somebody's potential and if you, will, if you will call that out, if you'll give them the chance before they've even completely proven themselves, that gift of belief will cause them to rise to the occasion. That's what happened mm. for me. And so Greg and Alan were president and vice president. And, uh, you know, so I'm getting feedback. And the thing that I loved about them too is that they did give me the feedback. Like they oh, so they, they were just like, oh, you're great. Yes. Like they're like, wow. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, in that I'm kind sure of culture, they were, nice, there's, but... they were they were incredibly kind, but they were also like, you know, like here's what's on the line. So what was some early feedback you got as a communicator, if you can remember? I talk too fast. Okay. And I still do. And some of that's out of nervousness. So, I mean, I can vividly remember it because I would get in there and I would just like, I'd start going because I'm so excited. I have so much to communicate. Yeah but I wouldn't leave space for it to land and for it to settle. It's hard to learn. Yeah. I'm I'm just now, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. Sure. Still working on slowing down yeah. and leaving enough time. Even if you say something funny, you have to leave time for people to laugh. Yeah. yeah. I've been tripping on that for years. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's hard. And in, I, I discovered that a lot of that was out of nervousness and that I mm. just— and I would be, I, I, my, my husband laughs because we were newly married when I was promoted into that position, which is kind of like, oh my gosh, like, can you have more going on at one time? Yeah, yeah. I'm newly married. I'm put into this big position. And uh, so poor guy, he's like, I'm doing sales presentations in my sleep because I'm so anxious and so nervous. And mm-hmm. I talk in my sleep anyway. And mm-hmm. so, he, you know, he, I still do this. If I've got a big uh, talk that I'm doing or speaking at a big event, I will be rehearsing it at night in, in my sleep. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, literally, literally like he's like, oh, she's got another presentation. There she goes. You know, and I'm like given full sales presentations, you know, in my sleep at night. But uh, but yeah, I think, the, you know, some of that feedback feedback was talking too fast, mm-hmm. trying to accomplish too much or, oh. or or cram too much in. I like so want to make sure you have every detail that you need. And I had that conversation with my wife this morning with Tony. Did you? Yeah. And, you know, Tony. And she's giving a talk tonight that she's going to give at a conference in uh, next week. Okay. And we're just doing a quick morning check-in call. Yeah. And she's like, I got too much content. I said, honey, you can cut that. Like, it's no problem to cut it. But I said, listen, it's the strangest thing because I know this. I've taught this. My greatest fear in speaking is that I'm not going to have enough content to fill the time. Yeah. Yes. Completely irrational. Totally. Completely. Like, I've never, ever... When have I ever showed up with not enough content? Right. Never. Yeah. I've Finished always shown up with too much. Or, yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's like point number one, blah, blah, blah. Point number two, blah, blah, blah. Point number three. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah. Right. Because you're running out of time. Yeah. And I mean, today, I think I timed it fairly well mm-hmm. uh, for the 30 minute keynote I gave. But the reality is if you're done early. There's not a single person in the world who's upset that you That's finished so, early. Yes. They all so want to right. go to break. Yes, <laughs> right. they do. And I did this last week at the conference. Too we much both content. At. Yeah. I, I, I was rushing at the end and I was, I had done a better job of like settling in at the front. Right. And I felt like I had connected and, you know, told some stories that engaged and connected with people. And then I was cramming at the end because I had, I had more content than I should have had for a 30 minute talk. And I was like, yeah. you did it again, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. okay. Too much content, too much content, talk too fast. Uh, and the, the learning curve for me has been the connection part. Mm. You know, I, I'm naturally wired for task and the how to, and I want to just, you know, I kind of zero there and I've the growth edge for me as a leader in general has been the, I, I one of my little mantras is slow down to see people. Mm. because in everything I do, I can just move too fast because I have all the stuff I want to accomplish. And, you know, I've got the the to-do list and the checklist and I've got yeah. the five points I need to communicate to you in this talk. And the the big learning for me is the slow down to connect with people. And that that's a big one. So. It is a learning. And I've, I've found that too. I'm probably, uh, I default toward content over stories. Totally. I will give you bullet points. Yes. Over yep. stories. And I realize people don't hear your bullet points until they connect with you. Yeah, exactly. I think John Maxwell said it, that they're not going to buy what you say until they first buy you. Yes. And so we yep. were talking about this at lunch today when we were out with our mutual friend, Brian. Yep. And, you know, because he, he works in public speaking, he represents me through Premier Speakers mm-hmm. Bureau, who I also work with. We were talking about that at lunch today. 
And I've got this little thing I'll use in seasons where I just kind of introduce myself first. Uh-huh. And it's usually funny. There's a laugh or two. But it gets people, oh, I like you. And once, yes. if they do, yes. you know, if that goes well, and they like you, if <laughs> right. they don't, then you're, then you're, you're dead. You're, done you're dead. Way, you're but finished. Yeah. Um, but then there's, oh, I, I think I kind of like you. I can relate to you. You tell something that's a little bit humble or whatever. You know, yeah. I talk about starting with very small churches so that people don't think I'm this massive yes. mega church guy who, you know, sold a gajillion books. Yep. But you're very relatable. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, you, you understand what it's like. Right. And then you go into the content. Totally. But that yep. has been, again, thousands of hours of rep, 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 yeah. rep. Yep. And uh, that's good. Are you naturally good at humor? No, I'm not. No. I have to, like, I, 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 but you know what's funny is I think I, I think it's in me a little bit more than I give it credit for. Because mm-hmm. when I'm my most comfortable, I deliver like lines and things that are like get a laugh, you know, and yeah. it's usually a little self deprecating, you know, poke fun at myself a little bit. And um, the more comfortable and settled I am, the more that naturally emerges from me. And that, again, that's a big, that's been part of my growth journey as a speaker and a communicator too, is that, you know, I just, I got to be authentically, I got to show up as me. I got to get there comfortably. I've got to like, you know, not be so worried about getting it all right mm-hmm. and really more more concerned with connecting that gives me the opportunity to share the information I want to share. So you're sitting in the front row along with Brian for my talk today. And it's funny, it was the second time I gave that talk. Yeah. And it was pretty practical, very Ooh, practical yeah, about the but workplace. fabulous. Um, oh, well, yeah, thank you. people need to hear this one. This one's a good one. No, it was about generational differences in the workplace yes. and how Boomer and Gen X bosses get frustrated by millennial and Gen Z workers. Mm-hmm. And I've got a line of millennials going, how did you know you get this? You uh-huh. understand this? And a bunch of Boomers going, oh man, we're in trouble. Like we're going to lose all these young workers, right? So, yep. but what was yep. interesting to me is I try to go in with a couple of things that I, I figure are going to land. Right. Like on a good right. day, yep. these jokes will land, this this bit will land. Yep. But it was we laughed a lot in that oh, 30 minutes. Yeah. It was it, fun. Well, what I love about it, and every, you all need to bring Carrie to, to talk about this, about this the, the generations, because this is fabulous. But what I love about it is there's the nervous laughter, too. They're like, right. oh, oh yeah. he's right. Like, oh, oh, dang. We do that or we're, you know, and or we're not, cre- you know, we're kind of stuck in some of our old ways in how we think work should look, you know, our office work should look. And I mean, just brilliant stuff in there. But there was that there was that both I can relate to this. This is really funny. And then there's I relate to this. And this is like, oh, you know, like that nervous Oh, Which was awesome. A hundred percent. And you know, what was interesting to me though, is I didn't even know what I was going to say because it was uh, the second time oh, I did yeah, the talk. It's still a new talk. So half you. of those jokes were just in the moment. In the moment. Ha- oh, isn't that the worst? Because now you've got to figure out, okay, what did I what say What did there? I say? Like, yeah. Hint, 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 pro tip. Um, get the video or the yes. audio. Yeah. And then you can go to a site like rev.com oh. and for dozens of dollars, they'll transcribe it for you. Oh, that's brilliant. So yeah. if you're yep. a public speaker, a preacher, uh, or even, you know, anytime you have any kind of recording, honestly, if it's somebody's iPhone is out and yeah. they they captured the talk, yep. I'm doing this more and more. Good for you. And for very few dollars, because it is, I'm a verbal processor. Sure. Often in the moment, I will, I will connect totally. it in a way that I didn't when I was sitting behind the keyboard. Yeah. And uh, you can use, and I'm not trying to sell rev.com, but you can use that in in a way that will help you go, oh, that's what happened there. Yeah. And now I can put that's that in a book. So I can good. put that in a blog post. I can use that in the future when I speak about it. Because otherwise you say it and you forget about it. But yeah. that being comfortable um, and slowing down and really just kind of enjoying the material and not have too many slides to get through. Like I had yeah. a bunch, but yeah. like, because I wanted to deliver value in the talk. But that really, really helps me um, deliver better and connect better. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, yep. what I really want to do is I want to connect with people, including people in the back row. Yeah. Can I ask you some more questions on public speaking? For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you make eye contact with the audience? Like oh. what, What? because every room's different. And yeah. this was a hotel ballroom, a right. big hotel yeah. ballroom, and you couldn't even see to the back of it. Yeah, like it was for sure. huge. For sure. And, you know, that's, you You all dream of being in an arena setting or that kind of thing when you can't see anybody, <laughs> right? But we're, yeah. we're in different rooms. I yeah. mean, sometimes oh, as a communicator. every time. Yeah. 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 You're pitching 100 people in a breakout yep. or 5,000 people in a keynote. So how do you connect with your audience? Oh, that's so good. Well, 
and I actually, one of the, the situations that I dislike the most is when I can't actually see the audience. Like if the lights oh, are yeah. so bright and I can't actually see people. Do you ask the tech people to turn the lights up? If I, I can now. catch it ahead of time, yeah. I will do that because I know that I will feed off the energy of the room. Or, mm-hmm. and, and what I will do is I'll typically like pretty quickly, I'm scanning the audience and I'll find those one or two people that are just good listeners. Like yeah. as speakers, we love these people. Like the thank people you, that, you are awake. Yes, this is good. Yes, and I usually will find them afterwards and try to say thank you because oh, just good for you. the person who is like will make eye contact with you is nodding, smiling. You know, I I'm so grateful for them because they give me energy. So I'm usually looking for the I need positive affirmation. I'm an Enneagram mm, three mm-hmm. and we're achievers and we need to know we're achieving. And so. Like so I, they're telling you preach. Sister, yeah, they're preach. like, they're with yeah. you, you know. So I'm looking for those couple of faces and then I'm trying to stay with them. Uh, and, you know, you know, so I'm usually looking for a couple of those in the crowd because they will give me life and they will give me energy. And if they're with me, then, you know, I, I will settle in and I'll get more comfortable. Yeah, I, that's the big one for oh. me. If I can't see the, if I can't see people, it's really hard for me to deliver well. Yeah, and I think for those of you who who speak publicly, you know, if you're in an office, it's a pretty controlled environment. Sure. But if you get on stages, it's not inappropriate to ask them to bring the that's house great, lights up. That's a great point. And I've been yeah. doing that a lot over the last few years. And even actually in our church, we moved into our broadcast location a couple yeah. of years ago. Uh, as recently as four or five months ago. I asked the production team to raise the level of the lighting during the message because I was only able to see 80% of the way back. Not Uh because I have bad eyes, but if you've never stood on a stage before, you got all those lights on you, it blinds you. It just does. It doesn't matter how good your vision is. And with classes, I have 20-20 vision. But now with the lights up a little bit more, I can see the facial expressions yes. of everybody. You yep. want to hear like, and this may go back to my law days. I don't know where this comes from. I look for the the raving fan too and try to pick that person okay, out. Okay, I was going to ask you, know. you what you do. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, the other thing I do sometimes, I try to find the surliest person in the crowd. Oh. And I try to crack them. Do you? See, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that. Oh, wow. That would, like, I would, it would get way too into my head. So I have to avoid that person. Oh, wow. Because my inner critic will So the like guy start who's going, on his phone or the guy mm-hmm. who's like falling asleep. I'm in one, the- I immediately go. So this is, the, we're getting way into our, our, you know, crazy. But like, I will immediately go to, what did I do? What did I say? Did I say something? Like, I will assume I did something that caused him to disengage. Interesting. Yeah. So I know that I actually need to avoid that guy. Hmm. Um, because I love, I love your like approach. And you're like, I'm going to crack you. I'm like, a lawyer, That's my man. goal today. Judge is right? not on my side. It's my job to bring yes. the judge over. And I love and that. But so I, yeah. I, I will do that. And then, and then it's like, can I get him to crack a smile? Can I get oh. him to shift his body stance? Can I get him to wake up sometimes? <laughs> I love right. It. Yes. And you realize, Hey, a lot of that has nothing to do with you. Right. Yeah. He just had a fight yeah. with his spouse or yeah. he didn't sleep last yeah. night or He's drunk, depending on the event yeah. you're at. Yeah. Not usually at church events. Uh, you know, it's so um, funny. I have a very vivid memory. This was uh, at uh, Crosspoint in Nashville, and I was doing the, like, the welcome and announcement segment of oh, yeah. Sunday morning, right? And we had we had changed our approach, and we had, like, lengthened that time frame where the, you know, the person, the host of the service, so to speak, was giving a little bit more of, like, doing a little bit of story, a little bit of like context for, I think, you know, I think I was doing the offering, but I was given a little mm. bit of a story related to that. So we had, we had shifted our approach and we're creating a little more space there. And uh, I can remember so, so vividly that morning that there was a couple in the front row who started talking to one another and oh. they had like that, why is she doing this? Why is this longer than normal? Like, I, like I could almost like read their lips and see that they were having that conversation. What did you and do? then dude in the back, like leaves and like, there was all this going on. And I just, that is what I remember about that morning because everybody's reaction in the room got my attention. And it actually was like a, it was a key moment for me to realize I've got to figure out how to not let those things distract me so much because I think I actually did a very mediocre job with that spot mm-hmm. that morning because it it started to mess with me. It got into my head because I could see all these different things happening in the room. And once I started seeing what people were doing and how they were reacting, it yeah. got in my head and I thought I'm bombing this and this is terrible and oh, like this yeah. is a bad idea. We should have never done this. So then I'm sure that what I delivered was awful or at least not great. Right? So how in the years since then have you avoided, because I have that too. If sure. people 
yeah, we made a mistake a couple of weeks ago at Conexus. I was teaching and I was preaching right out of Judges. So if you really want to, you know, curl someone's eyebrows, preach out of Judges. Judges 21, if you want to look it up. Okay. Horrible text. Horrible. One of the worst. Um, and and again, that's the Bible being descriptive, not prescriptive. Uh-huh. It's just this is yes. what happened. And yep. everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's where we were going okay. that day. Okay. Subjective morality. Anyway, after the first service, I had our programming people come up to me and say, hey, you probably want to issue a PG-13. Do we want to do that in the welcome? Or do we want to do that in the message? I'm like, oh, I'll just do it in the message in the first minute or so. So anyway, I did. Uh-huh. But then all these, I said, listen, if you have young kids, we have great oh. environments. Then all these people get out and they leave my message. Right. And I'm like, I'm like what are you people doing leaving? Well, I just told you to leave. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. that's right. That's yes. right. But then, you know, yeah, it's you like, created oh, disruption you didn't I created disruption myself. Yeah. That still gets in my gets head. Gets in your head. Yeah. Gets in my head. It really mm-hmm. does. And, you know, I think I, I remember that moment pretty specifically. And, you know, and I have to and I have like I have kind of those little mantras of like slow down to see people, mm-hmm. you know, be you're here for them, not for you. You know, and like I have a few little things like that that I before I speak, I am just kind of telling myself and and reminding myself that they all they all have stuff going on. Like everybody oh, yeah. in that room's got something not going about on you. and it's not about me. And you're not bombing. I mean, particularly at your level or, you know, basically what I do these days is communicate. Yeah. I think, so I'll give you an example, and I can't name the venue, but it was, a. if I said what it was, everybody would know what it was. It was a major event that I had the opportunity to do. And um, people started walking out during my talk. And I'm not used to that. Sure. And it wasn't a lot. It was just a handful of people. But I'm like, wow, am I bombing? And I just thought, you keep going, you keep speaking to the people in the room. So I kept going. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I did the full hour. It was all over. And I said to Tony, who was with me, like, wow, did that, that didn't go. And she goes, no, you crushed it. I'm like, I didn't crush it. Like people left. Anyway, I just kept my mouth shut. The event organizer came over and said, you nailed it. Will you come back next year? Wow. And in my head, I'm looking, but- did you see those people who walked out? Did you right, like right. what was, but then I went to some of the other speakers, uh-huh. like half the room walked out. I didn't realize that it was, was the, the culture, culture of the, and oh. the fact that I kept 98% of the people in was the room actually a big win. blew the promoters away. They rebooked me for the following year. Had I let that go D- into yes. my head? Yeah. You're dead, man. Oh, totally. You're just dead. So totally. you got to, you got to learn to cope with it. Yeah. So what's helped it's you? Good. It's just that self-talk. Like oh, that's, it's that self-talk yeah. and, you know, and, and I really do. I, 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 some of this is just, you know, my, personal growth as a, you know, as a leader, a lot of my self-leadership of recognizing this is not about me. None of this is about me. And I have to like, I have to tell myself that all the time. Like you are here for the people in that room. This isn't about you. This isn't about the opportunity to be on a stage. This is about God's given you a message. God's given you an idea to share. You've had the privilege to be here. Somebody's invited you to share. It is about them. And I just, I have to like, I have to work on that. I'm like, and, and in my prayers, God help me see the people in this room today. Like That's just a good help me prayer. see the people in this room today and it be about them, not about me. Um, just out of left field. I, I don't want you to name names. Like who are your favorite speakers? I mean, mm-hmm. you can, if you want to, but when you look at like, wow, I love it when this speaker does X, what are mm-hmm. some of the things you love seeing public speakers do? Like, I That's love great. a good story and our mutual mm-hmm. friend, John Acuff. Well, yeah, John's one so of the first that funny. came to mind. Oh, yeah. my god! But between his humor I and his John. storytelling, like, I, like yes, I, I admire that. And, you know, the thing you and I both know about John is, like, he, he has worked hard. And, and he is such a student of the craft. Continues to. We've gotten yes. to know each other a lot better over the last few years. And I know a lot of you know who John Acuff is. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you should follow him on social. He's a lot of fun. Uh, but I mean, I sit with him in green rooms. We are on the same circuit together. Yeah. Uh, we check in on a regular basis. And the closer I get to him, the more shocked I am at how hard he works on his craft. He really, yeah. Like the fact that he has given a talk before, he's still rehearsing it. He's yeah. still nuancing it. He's still yeah. working on, because you look at him and you're like, and oh. he is funny. I mean, if oh, you just totally. hang out with yes. him. Yeah, completely. If you go for lunch, if you're, you know, in the same car with him, yeah. he's just cracking jokes left, right, and center. Yep. But what appears to be really totally off the cuff is, on a stage 
is very well thought through. For sure. And very often very well scripted. Yes. Yeah. That's the brilliance of what John does is he makes it, it, he he can tell the story, he can land the joke, and it sounds like it just, like he just, Mm. just made it up right then. But it is, he is, he is thought, he is wordsmithed, he is like, he has dialed that in. And I think I've heard him share that, you know, he'll finish a talk and if there's something that he did a little differently, like he immediately makes notes of it. Does this sound right? Uh, so that he can, if he needs to make an adjustment or, you know, like he's just constantly like tweaking and working on it, which I think is brilliant. Well, and that goes back to even if you had your buddy with an iPhone recording it, or frankly, if you don't have a buddy doing it and nobody like, you know, even if you're at a work meeting, put your phone on a stand and record yourself. And then you can go back. Like often the, the brilliant insights, they happen when you're speaking or that funny thing you did that was different, you're not going to remember that exactly. when you're done. Yeah. And so to become a student of that, yeah. if you really want to improve yeah. the craft. Okay. Yeah. So we both went to John, funny, yep. clever, yeah. great storyteller. What are some other things? Uh, the other one that stands out, you know this, I had the privilege of working for a couple of years with John Ortberg, oh, yeah. who is just a phenomenal communicator, amazing man and leader. And uh, I had the privilege of speaking on a Sunday at Menlo, the oh, church wow. that John leads. And uh, and I, like, you talk about like being nervous, you know. Oh, I know, when, I'm when, speaking there this fall. John invited you? me oh, to do the whole so weekend glad. and then some staff stuff. And yeah. so in October, I'll be there good, good, spe- good. speaking at Menlo. So prep yeah. me. Yeah, well, I mean, he's so incredibly gracious at, with and with that pulpit. I mean, you know, here's yeah. John Ortberg, who is one of the, you know, the best communicators of our generation. And uh he, you know, he lets me take a Sunday morning. Now I'm more of a conference, you know, team uh, leadership staff retreat. Yeah, you're a kind speaker of, more than a preacher. More than a preacher, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, so I'm. I took this very seriously. It was a, just such a huge opportunity to speak at our church, and uh, I get the the pack, the uh, microphone pack, and it says J O oh, for John wow. Ortberg, and I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> it just kind of like gives you this sense of okay, this is a big deal, but. What I loved was John was really intentional to help me work on my on my talk for that morning. And one of the things he taught me that I think of every time I'm crafting a talk or a message is he would talk about dwelling space. And so like as hmm. you're as you're you're writing out your talk, he would talk about the places where you need to dwell, you need to settle. Oh. It yeah. might be a story, it might be a concept, but something that you need to you need to physically settle into as a speaker so that you're dwelling in this concept or you're dwelling in this story. And that has stuck with stuck with me. Oh, and he does that so well. He does it in so well. In his writing yeah. and in his speaking. Kind of going back he to will the linger. pacing. Yes. He will linger. Yeah. That pacing of knowing, you know, so for me where I just barrel through it, you know, a million words a minute or whatever, that like that has made me go, oh, I need to, I need to dwell. I need to settle into this talk right here because I really want people to connect with this thought. They're never in a hurry. Yeah. The great communicators never seem like they're in a hurry. Like last yes. week, we spoke in Dallas at the Push Pay Summit, uh-huh. and we Patrick Lencioni ah, kicked that'd off be the event. One. Yep. Yeah, yep. And he was like all over the place oh, totally. in the first twenty minutes, which he would say because yeah. he's totally ADHD. But he was funny, like oh, yeah, funny. And yeah. I don't, you know, I've I've heard Pat a number of different times, mm-hmm. uh, but like just those those moments, and he never seemed. He had five points to make yep. and he made them by the time his 40 minutes or whatever it was, was yep. up. But I mean, he really, really uh, moved in a powerful way through content that just made you think like it was him and you in, you know, sitting at a booth at a restaurant, yes. just having a conversation Yep, that yep. was really animated and funny. Completely. Like I'm always, I've probably heard that talk from him a handful of times. I'm never bored. Mm. You know, so that's another, you know, he's another one of those that stands out because you're like, how does he do that every yeah. time? And and what also inspires me about Pat is that he rarely uses notes, you know, is his, yeah. and, and you do this a lot too. You don't use a lot of notes either no, from what I observe. I don't. I have, the only thing I bring up with me is what is on the screen. Yeah. So if I'm using slides, that's they're with me. That's what's with you. And, yeah. yeah as a but I, I spent what, 1% of the talk looking at my notes? Oh, totally. 2%. Yeah. And that's still yeah. a growth edge for me because I will... I'll get a little like stuck to my notes. It's a kind of a security blanket. Mm. But when I don't stick to the notes is when I deliver my best. Yeah. So because, that's a and, You know, the other thing, and I've, I've gotten into debates with people because we teach us in the Art of Better Preaching course, Mark Clark and I, mm-hmm. um, 
But I really believe that not using notes makes you appear more sincere. Totally. You yeah. agree? You I agree. agree. You can disagree. I agree. No, Lots I totally agree. Do. I mean, I think it could, maybe a, maybe setting could could impact that if you're more in an academic setting where you really need to, you know, like get through a or lot of detailed information. Are you doing a research inform- report, yes. right? right? 17% of college students, blah, blah, blah. 37% yeah. of, you know, if you're into that kind yeah, of statistical sure. chat, I can see that you would yeah. want to be, it would add to your credibility. Yeah. But if you're just giving a general keynote or a talk, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're less sincere if you're using notes. I'm not saying that at all. For sure. I'm just saying the audience perceives oh, you You're connecting better. Because mm-hmm. you're really with them instead of with your notes. Well, look at this. Like, we're just having a conversation now for 40 minutes. And yeah. I know you brought notes because I always send the questions in uh-huh. advance. Uh-huh. So far, I got to question one <laughs> on our list. And when we're, we're 40 just, minutes in. We're just going. Mm-hmm. I know. I love it. I, I don't love know. It. We were probably going to talk about some other stuff. Uh, but speaking is really interesting. And I'm always in. Uh, who, who are some of the, you can name some of your favorite speakers. Like, would you say... And we're not, if you're listening and you're not on the list, it's not personal. Yeah, and it's not personal at Andy all. Stanley I mean, is a I master just, at clarity. He is a master at clarity. He has pushed me on clarity. Yeah. He's a master. Oh yeah, my gosh. He's phenomenal there. I mean, I I feel like I don't end up with favorites as much as I really just want to learn. And I, I'm always studying. That's so fair. whatever communicators I'm like, I mean, we've named the ones that probably were top of mind that I'm like, yeah, right. I'm yeah, like, yeah. you know, those are the ones that I'm really, you know, I, I'm learning from very intentionally. But beyond that, I just, I really love watching different communicators and paying attention to what they're saying and how they're saying it and how their style fits their audience. And so I'm, and I'm, that's just kind of generally how I'm wired is, yeah. you know, I, I'm always looking to observe and learn from the situation I'm in. And so you, it might've been my music days that, that, uh, that beat out of me the, I don't, I don't really have a lot of celebrity, like, you know, people that I like, I'm like, Oh, you know? So, so yeah. Yeah. Working with a whole lot of artists that really sounds bad, doesn't it? No, no. I mean, I like, I, I just, I appreciate the difference in a lot of people's styles. Oh, that's a good way to say it. And different styles connect with different people. Yeah. You know, it's yep. easy to get into a one size fits all or to be, Im- okay, here's a question for you. Do you find yourself trying to imitate others too much? Because that's been something I've had to resist. I talked to a local pastor yesterday mm. uh, and I said, who are the influential communicators you're listening to? And he gave me a long answer that basically said, I'm still developing my own style and I want to make sure I don't over-listen to other people. Okay. So I don't want to say I'm not teachable. Right. But I'm actually not listening to other people right now because I'm really trying to figure out where is my voice. That's a great tension. Well, what? Yeah. How, how do you handle that? Uh, I, that I, living in that tension mm. in that um, because I'm a female communicating in the leadership and like uh, business space, yeah. like I'm a little bit of an, a rare bird, especially in the, yeah, in, you the are. in the Christian side of things, in the church side of things. And so, you know, I wrestled for a long time of, you know, there's a number of remarkable women communicators in the church space in, you know, that are doing women's conferences and different events like that. And like, they're phenomenal. But I, for a while, I felt like I needed to be more like them, more of the, on the inspirational edge, because mm-hmm. that's what most of the other women in my circles were doing. And that's, it's not me. So I think no. it, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't, um, wasn't sincere talking about that sincere part. Like, yeah. not that I don't care about that, or I didn't care about some of the content in the subject matter. I just care much more deeply. My passion is about the leadership piece and the organizational health stuff. And, and so when I tried to be too much like the other, you know, cause I was invited to a lot of the big name women's conferences and things, and it always fell a little flat. Because it, I was trying to be like somebody that weren't. style. No, yeah. and you are like you're. You have an executive pastor or COO. If you want yeah. to do the corporate space, that's yep. your brain. That's yeah. where you live, yeah. right? That's From, how I think. Yeah, that is how you think. And I always, if you're talking to communicators about developing, you know, for those of you listening, your own style. Yeah, I would say the question I ask myself and my team all the time as we're trying to align everybody is. Uh, you know, people are like, where do you get all your content? It's like, write about the stuff that you just naturally would write about. Yeah. And then you'll see, maybe an audience will show up, maybe it won't. But like, what can you roll out of bed and easily do? Yes. And the good news is, I'm at a point in my life where 
whether it's this podcast, these conversations we're having, the blog I'm writing, mm-hmm. the book I'm writing, mm-hmm. uh, I can roll out of bed and just like start writing, start yeah. working on it because it's me. It's in you. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. It just comes out. It's yeah. what God has deposited in me yep. that I get to help bring out and hopefully it helps other leaders. Yeah, that's good. So rather than trying to be, because I've read the stuff where somebody's trying to be the next John Maxwell or someone's, uh-huh. I've seen the preachers who are trying to be Stephen Furtick or Rich Wilkerson and I'm right. like, no, yeah. no. He's Stephen. You can just tell it's not quite It's authentic. not you, man. Yeah. Where are you? I want to see you. Yes. Yeah. And and I think yeah. a lot of us are afraid of that. Yeah, I think so too. And yet, you know, we do. I think we naturally gravitate to what we've seen succeed for others. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay, that's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to look like. Right? Yeah. And so that's been a journey for me too. I feel like I'm just, I was telling, I have a small group of friends that we, we live across the country, but it's kind of like my small group. And it's we your do, tribe. Yeah. It's my tribe. We do a video call twice a month. And I said to them, they were checking in on me and how my weeks were going because I've had a couple of weeks of some busy travel and speaking. And I said, guys, I feel like I'm coming. In, I feel like I'm settling into me from oh. a speaking standpoint. And they, like, and they just celebrated with me because they all knew. They all knew that tension. And some of them have booked me for things in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, and and it was just so it was so exciting to be able to say that and say, you know what, I think I'm finding me, and me's a little different, and that's a little scary sometimes. How's because, it different than you ten years ago? Um, it's more, you know, he, so here at my journey, I, you know, as a little girl, I wanted to be a CEO of a record company. That was my <laughs> dream job. I'm a weird kid, yeah, man. You wanted yeah, to be a lawyer. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be you a CEO, to be of, CEO record of a record company. company. I don't know why or how. Having your tea parties with yes. all the other CEOs of yes, record for companies. Sure. Yeah. For sure. And uh, I, don't, I don't even know where I got the idea. I just, uh-huh. that's what I wanted to do. So of course I had that early career in the music business and I was on that trajectory. And then I went into ministry, which I definitely felt like God was calling me specifically to serve that the, the churches that I've been a part of. And, uh, but in the church context, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor you know, like, but like primarily, that's not my primary gifting as pastor, shepherd, uh, preacher. And so I never aspired to be a senior pastor mm-hmm. that, you know, that wasn't, you know, so being in the executive pastor role was the right seat for me. The function of that role and is all like, it's the right, it's the right um, gift mix for me. But, um, you know, in that context, I also felt a lot of pressure to be more like the pastors around me because yeah. I was a bit of the outlier and being the one who's, you know, my, my spiritual gifts are leadership and administration. Like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to build a plan. I'm going to figure out how to get a team to get, you know, to align and help accomplish the vision. Like that, that is what I wake up thinking about, but I was surrounded by all these pastors and I felt like I had to be more pastoral. And I actually mm-hmm. had one of our board members say, Hey, Jen, we hired you to bring you and you've taken some hits because we had some people not very kind about, you know, my style and, you know, coming in as a female in that seat within the church. And was that okay? And, you know, so you've got all those right. kind of dynamics going on. And I took some hits over it. So I felt like I had to become this other thing. I had to be more like the pastors that I was around, which is not bad, but it wasn't my but best But it's not gift. you. It's not me. Yeah. And so I think I had, I had swung to that and I'd lost me. I, I can remember literally saying that to a few of my closest friends saying, I've lost me somewhere in this. And and it looks like that should be, especially in the church context, that looked like what I should be, right? You know, is more of the shepherd, pastor, teacher who's meeting with people all the time and, you know, you know, doing all the pastoral things. Uh-huh. When in actuality, the church needed me to be the executive. The church needed yes. me to be the leader and rapidly growing multiple campuses. You know, totally. morphing Menlo Church when you were there yes. to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I've I feel like that settled back, uh, and and I hope I think I think it's settled back with like uh, one of the things I talk about in the book that I last wrote, the Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. We talk about leading with heart, soul, mind, and strength using the great commandment as that framework, which we've talked about on a previous podcast, but the, but the heart side of me has, it shows up more than it did probably, you know, like the early version of Jenny, the heart, I I had kind of closed off my heart thinking I just needed to be the strategic thinker who makes things happen and didn't have time to engage my heart. And then I went into ministry and I felt like, well, I have to be all heart and soul because that's what ministry requires of me. And I feel like I've kind of balanced back into a healthier maybe version of me that the strategy piece comes first. That's just, that is, that is how God has wired and gifted me. But I hope it, I hope a little more heart and soul show up with it these days. 
But you you seem to be at peace with you. I yes, I think which so. Which is beautifully rare. I yeah. mean, and it's funny you're making me think back. Like I didn't fit the pastor mold either. I mm. joke that my and it's not a joke. It's true. My bottom three gifts are actually. <laughs> Yeah, you I've heard, heard you me talk about this. this. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Oh yeah. No, honestly, what are they? I got to think about it now. I know my mercy's, head wasn't there. mercy's low. No, it was pretty low. Oh, it was prayer. It was third from the bottom. Okay. And yep. I pray every day. Right. But I'm right, not good at it. Uh, mercy. Uh huh. And helps. And helps at yep. the bottom. So I'm not going to help you, and I really don't care, <laughs> which is not 100 percent true, right? But I um, it. I mean, it, they're at the bottom. And right. leadership, faith, evangelism, apostleship—they're yeah. all at the top. But you know, yep. I'm the trailblazer. I'm going out there. But I remember being so disappointed in myself in seminary and even in my early days of pastoral ministry because I was actually okay with people one-on-one. Like, you yeah, get me in yes, a room, totally. I'm not going to blow it. I will pray with you yeah. while you're sick. I, I yep. can do that. But, like, I don't get up in the morning hoping for that. Right. Those things drain me. Yeah. I feel awkward. I, 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 but this? Yeah. Give me five more episodes of this podcast this yeah. week. Well, I had to create a channel for the real sure. me to come out. Yep. And and I learned to communicate in a style that I felt, you know, they can't all be gems, as I always say, but that really moved the mission forward. Yeah. And then I yep. thought, okay, that's authentically me. That is the yes. best that God put in me. And now, you know, just all these years later, all these people have shown up. Yeah. And But that's what I would just encourage to young communicators. For sure. Is imitation kills innovation. Oh, And for you sure. have to be careful. Yeah. Because you're only able to innovate when you really live within the gifting, the framework, the personality that God yeah. has given you. Yeah. And uh, that, that and I see so much imitation. I think social uh-huh. doesn't help with that. I, yeah, I feel like it's kind of exasperated it on us, mm-hmm. you know, in that we, we, we're just so naturally drawn to compare and, you know, so we're looking, oh, they're doing that. Oh, that's working. Maybe I should be doing that. And, you know, the funny thing is, now leading Foresight, the organization that I started, I even find myself doing that on behalf of my organization of like, oh, well, okay, this organization over here, this other consulting group is doing this. Oh, should I, you know? And so I feel like it's, you know, one of the, one of the things I feel like God has kind of taught me in my own journey is that, you know, the, there's these different lessons we learn, but they're kind of, they're a series of hurdles that, mm. you know, like, you know, so, uh, you know, this, this comparison trap that we can kind of find ourselves in. Well, in one season, it'll be, uh, you know, the comparison hurdle will look like this. And I'm going to come to another one of those hurdles in another point in my life. But I'm like, okay, now I know I have better tools and hopefully have greater self-awareness to go, okay, no, that comparison's creeping in there. Okay, hmm. what's true? Um, what's true? You know, what's, what's authentic to who God has wired and gifted and created me to be? And, uh, and so what do I need to do to help myself get over this hurdle quicker than the last one. You know, I was tripping this one over and over and over. But okay, now I know what to look for. Uh, Here I go. I'm comparing. I'm trying to like measure up to somebody else. What has God called us to do? And uh, so I talk about it and then I'm like, okay, another dimension of life. I'm doing, you know. Well, and we're always learning. We're always growing. And I, I got to tell you, I can't believe it. You and I are doing a workshop in a few minutes, so we better get down Oh, there. we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Time flies. Time flies. That's awesome. But I'm glad we could squeeze this in. Um, for communicators who are out there, um, any final words of advice? Would-be communicators, even people who are pitching at the staff meeting? Oh, uh, well, you know, and here's the thing. The, you know, wherever you're communicating, you're leading. Mm. And leadership is influence. Um, yeah. Maxwell said, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. That recognition that I have influence and how I steward this influence determines its trajectory. So if mm. I'm standing, you know, if I'm leading the board meeting, if I'm in front of an audience of thousands, you know, wherever I am, if I'm in a one-on-one meeting with somebody, like I have influence right now in this moment, if I'm in the position of, of leader leading that yeah. meeting or that conversation. And so influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. Mm. And that definition just like sits heavy with me that as leaders, we have influence. And so any room that you walk into that you're the communicator, you have influence. You have the power to change or affect the lives of the people sitting in that room and sitting in that seat. So how do you need to steward that moment? How do you need to steward your influence in that moment that serves those people well? And that would be what I would encourage communicators to do is put that lens on and, and let that be the filter through which you look at that opportunity, whether it's, you know, you're leading a team discussion to figure out the strategy for your next big plan, mm-hmm. 
you know, and what do I need to do in that moment What to that, that I have the power to change or affect the lives of the people sitting in this room? How can I draw out their gifts to help contribute to this moment? How can I help empower them? How can I believe in them to help them see how they can help us move this forward? Like, what do I need to do because I have that position of influence in that moment to help move this forward? If I'm in a room of thousands, how can I see that individual and know that it's not just a crowd that I'm talking to, but it's a crowd of individuals who are going to be changed or affected by the words that I say. And something I say might land in a way that inspires them to do something that God has called them to do. Can I see that in that way? And can I be that intentional with my influence? Well, I got to tell you, I'm excited that you're part of our little speaking, whatever we call it. <laughs> and uh, the speakers watching the call also, it. That's you what also, we're going to go with. Yeah, no, this is great. Jenny, Jenny's fantastic. And you also do some consulting too, right? So not yeah. just speaking, but also consulting, which I do less and less of these days. I mean, I'm sure. not saying never, but yeah. yep. uh, that's good. So make sure you check it out, kerryneuhoff.com forward slash speaking. Awesome. And everything is there. And we would love to be able to serve you with one of the team members. And I'm just, I learn from you every time we get together, every time Likewise. we connect. And Thanks. I'm so grateful for you, Jenny. Where can people find you on your own site? Perfect. Um, yeah, my website for Foresight is getforesight.com. It's the word get, the number four, the word site.com. Uh, and we have a uh, workbook, a free workbook, three keys to developing a thriving team. And so oh, wow. if that's helpful, we'll, we can get we can put that in the show notes yeah, or it's right it. at the top of our website. So you can ke- you can grab that and just get a little more connected and kind of see some of the things I'm so passionate about. But Carrie, thank you for your voice. Thanks for your leadership. You have been a friend and a mentor to me. And um, we're just grateful that you have found that authentic voice of your own and are using it to encourage and influence in us in ways that you probably will never see. Uh, but you're having a remarkable effect on all of us that listen and follow along. So thank you. Well, I'll tell you, as you know, it's a joy to do it. And uh, thanks so much, Jenny. Thank you. Well, that was super practical and helpful. And Jenny and I were speaking together at a conference in Washington, D.C. when we recorded that. Probably no better venue than to introduce a speaking team. So if you want to check that out, I'm so excited. And I just hope this helps you serve your church, conferences, and events. And you can head over to newhoffspeakingteam.com or kerryneuhoff.com forward slash speaking. You'll find it all there. And of course, you can use the Googles to get you there as well. So we're back next week with a fresh episode. And we've been on a roll on this podcast. And I just love bringing you the diversity of voices that we get to bring. Next week is a leader that a lot of you will be familiar with. And we talk all about interviewing, which is something that I've become so interested in because that's kind of what I do. We're 271 episodes next week into this. So I've done now almost 300 interviews. And I talked to a master interviewer, Ken Coleman, who you'll know uh, from the Dave Ramsey show, from his own radio show, and so much more. We talk about the fine art of world-class interviewing. Here is an excerpt. So that is general enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, you want to talk about a lost art form is enthusiasm. (laughs) And I don't mean fake excitement, over-the-top Magoo cheese. I don't mean that. I mean just good old-fashioned enthusiasm and and injecting that in your reply. Um, You know, there's a way to do it in the form of the follow-up. So if I ask you a question about leadership and, and you give me an answer, instead of moving on to the next question and that first that first opportunity to talk with you, uh, I'm going to purposely go to a follow-up question, but it's probably after I, I have picked out one thing, or maybe two, but at minimum one thing that you said in your answer, and I go, that was really good. I, I think that really applies to my audience this way. I want you to stay there. Take me a little deeper. So that's next week on the podcast. I'm so excited for you to be able to hear that. Remember, we don't have all episodes, but we have a growing catalog of episodes on YouTube as well. A lot of you have been asking for video. And of course, there are people who are going to only access the content from video. So you can go to my channel on YouTube, kerryneuhoff.com. And of course, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, the audio version, and you're listening to it, make sure you do that. I only ever listen to podcasts that I subscribe to. That's just the way it is. Guys, I'm so excited for this. Thank you so much. Make sure you check out the Speakers Bureau at Newhoff Speaking Team and check out the incredible offer that Pro Media Fire has. They can get you all your graphic needs. They can make you stick out from the crowd for a low monthly fee, far cheaper than hiring your own staff. And you can check that out at promediafire.com forward slash carry. 
We will see you next week. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.